and her her instructions exactly word for word was do not look at the immigration officer to you know in the eye answer the questions she was trying to scare me to the Colombian Influence Podcast. We are so excited to be back doing an interview today. We haven't done an interview in a while. A so yeah. this is fun getting back into that, connecting with other adoptees, especially a Colombian one that we're going to be talking to today, Mike. Um, it was a good interview. We're talking about this post-interview. So Risa, do you want to share kind of how you felt on it or what they have come in? Sure. Yeah, it was... It was- there's so much to this interview. We've been in contact with Mike now, gosh, I want to say since maybe mid-season one or kind of around yeah. that time. It's been a while. So we've been in contact with him for a while. We had seen his um, the article written about him that was, I believe, in USA Today. It's on our Instagram, and we'll repost that around the time of the release of this episode as well. And... Basically, because of his adoption being essentially illegal, which he'll go into that a little bit more as to in what ways, um, he was facing deportation. He was basically dealing with the possibility of that because he technically was never a legalized citizen of the United States um, due to some illegal activity, some, um, I guess, lack of detail or carelessness and things like that. So it's a very intense episode. I also want to mention at one point near the end, um, there is trigger warning for a sexual assault and uh, child abuse. So I just want to make, make sure to mention that ahead of time. Um, other than that, this was a very real and raw episode that I think really kind of looped us back and, you guys will get to hear a lot about Mike's story from beginning to end and things are kind of looking up for him now, which is really exciting for us to hear as adoptees, but it's been a really long journey for him. So um, we're really excited to be sharing this episode with you guys. Hopefully if there is anyone in our community that's facing something similar, they can kind of see this as the light at the end of the tunnel. And of course uh, he does mention at the end that if anyone is going through something similar that we can provide his contact information. So I would very much like our uh, to encourage our listeners to do so. Reach out to us. We'll reach out to him and make sure that that's cool. Introduce the two of you because um, we always want to help facilitate those conversations and resources as needed. Obviously, we're not the ones that would be the resource in finding the legalities of these things. But of course, if you do need advice from Mike, please reach out to us and we'll get you in touch. But otherwise, um, let's dive into this episode with Mike. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for another interview today. We are being joined by Mike, who is a fellow Colombian adoptee. He is going to be telling us a little bit about his story. So uh, welcome, Mike. Hello. Hello again. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, nice to see you as well. Thank you for being a part of our interview today. You have a very unique story when it comes to adoption, um, which we've kind of shared a little bit about like your article that came out. Uh, remind me which paper that was in. Uh, I have I mean, been, probably multiple, but <laughs> uh, 
multiple by two, <laughs> but uh, oh, USA Today was the first one, and then the Chicago Tribune did the second one. Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. well, we're going to be covering that story today. Um, let's dive in just with a little bit of information about you. So why don't you tell us uh, where you were adopted from, where you live now, and how old you were when you were adopted? Okay, I was uh, I was adopted out of Bogota, out of Pana, um, when I was just before I was two, because I turned two when I came to the St- United States. Uh, moved to Illinois, a uh, town just west of Chicago. Uh, I was there till '87. Uh, now I live in Florida. I've been here since then. Uh, did a little stint in Nebraska. That's a even longer story. Um, so I was there for a year and then came back to Florida. And I've been here ever since. As far as the going into kind of more of the adoption um, circumstances, uh, what do you know about the circumstances around like why you were adopted and such? Um, the only thing I knew was my parents adopted my older brother from Illinois, from Chicago. And I guess they wanted another adoption because my parents couldn't have kids apparently because uh before me and my brother they fostered two kids um so my brother was adopted when he was a baby uh and then at some point and this is going to be crass to say just so you know ahead of time i don't know if they were joking but i would say they were serious uh it came across that they adopted me from columbia because it was cheap to adopt a baby from there at the time mm-hmm. and they were told that by some friends um in illinois so that's how they started that process to to go to columbia opposed to adopting another child from the united states got it yeah. Interesting. I would feel like that wouldn't be completely accurate, but you never know. The route they went might have been a little know. bit yeah, it's off, hard, too. It's, I, yeah, it's hard to know, definitely, for sure. My mom, per her word, said that they took suitcases of diapers, clothes, and I think it was $1,000 is what they asked wow. for from Fanna. I feel like, though, when it comes to the comparison, like, I do feel like domestic is more expensive, I guess, for lack of a better term. I'm just going to say it. But it depends maybe on, I mean, travel expenses, too, like, because that's, I think, where a lot of it comes from, from international. But it could vary on a lot of different things. I think there's a lot of, as we've kind of experienced with um, doing interviews and such is that so many people have different experiences and adoptive parents have different experiences with that. So it might kind of vary, but kind of a interesting thing to be told by your adoptive parents. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why, but I mean, at, you know, obviously when I was told, it was like, Oh, okay. You know, I'm glad I was mm-hmm. a lot of money. I'm glad I my, it was expensive, but, um, <laughs> you know, back at that point of, adopting from America, you know, it's like everything in America and I'm just trying to be anything weird, but it's expensive to get anything. If you want an American, when you want mm. something that you, if you want something you buy out, out of country, it'd be cheaper. So I guess back in the seventies, that was the main thing. You definitely wanted to buy, be cheaper. So sure. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
And I, so I not, guess, I'm not trying to see it be mean the way I say that. It's just the facts, unfortunately. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And we're here to just tell the raw story of what it's like. I mean, everyone's story is very different. And so that could have definitely been the case. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. So have you ever searched for your birth family or gone back to Columbia? Uh, never been to Columbia. Uh which is funny because uh, my boss, who his last day was today, uh, he was going to Columbia for two weeks. And apparently oh, wow. he's been there three or four times. And I uh, made a joke with him. I was like, you know, I said, you've been there more than I have. <laughs> I'm Colombian. <laughs> so time. you haven't gone back, but have you searched for them? Or is this kind of okay, dive yeah. into the part of – your story you want to dive into that first no, kind of going we'll, that timeline we could do that one real quick yes i did a search and uh thought i had found the family uh and it turned out it wasn't them we did dna kits and everything um what I did, I, yeah i did it oh one gosh. time and i was just like my wife kept the answer from me because it was christmas time when she got the answer and she didn't want me to be upset oh. or sad uh, at yeah. that time. So she just, when I kept waiting for the results, she's like, no, we still haven't gotten them. Cause she, she wanted to get them before I did. So, um, so she had gotten the results and then we found out and, uh, I still talk to that family. Um, they still consider me part of their family, you know, kind of, mm. again, adopted me into their family in Columbia. Yeah. Wow. How did you, how did you get in touch with them then? Or why did you think that was your adopted or excuse me, your birth parents? Um, through Facebook, there was, uh, okay. uh, um, there's a lady on Facebook and I'm blanking on her name. Um, that she, she helps families, her, and her, her I think her boyfriend, uh, at the time he lives in Columbia. So hmm. she, uh, contacted him and then they saw my story cause they, they published it down there and, they thought it was me because it was kind of a similar story, just a different timeline. So Wow. Yeah. So then that as far as the story with circumstances around your adoption, what were those with your bio parents? Like the story that is according to the paperwork that I have received from them when I got, you know, uh from Columbia was that they took me to a hospital. And I think it was in Bukaramanga. They took me to the hospital. I was sick. And then I they left me there. According to the paperwork. And that's as much information as you know. Like, uh, there's no info all, about yeah. the parents. There, there's names, but um, knowing okay. what I know now, I can't trust the paperwork as much as I, I was back then, trusting the paperwork. Because... Right, um, yeah. You know, somebody found out that the paperwork was signed by a lawyer who later was arrested for trafficking children. So I don't know how true that paperwork is. Yeah. So I guess going into uh-huh. that, like, let's jump into that story. Yes, so like, in. It was back in college, I believe, when you were having issues with paperwork, right? Right. So I was working for a company uh, that was going to let me go back to welding school to brush up pretty much because I knew how to weld. I just wanted to brush up, make sure because I had done, hadn't done it for six years. So I went to the, to the college that they do it at the technical school. 
they were going to do it on a grant. So I was, okay, I was fine. So I went there, found out the grant, you had to be a U.S. citizen. So when I gave him my paperwork that I had from Columbia that I've had all my life, um, they, you know, they gave it back to me, I think a day or two later, basically saying this is not enough paperwork. There's nothing here. We need proof that you're a citizen. So I was like, oh, all right. So I think I hesitated a little bit on it because I was like, I, I don't, I was busy at work and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. Uh, yeah. But again, you were thinking, okay, no big deal yeah. at the same time. I yeah, mean, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. No big rush. Cause I was like, yeah, hey, no big deal. I'll find something, you know? So, you know, later on, I asked my, my adopted mother about more paperwork. And so she, you know, she said, no, everything we have was what you have. Um, and I'm like, you have absolutely nothing else. And she said, no, nothing else. So after I had gotten married, um, because I, I just stopped researching, I just said, I'm not going to do it. It's not going to, I'm going to waste my time. So I went to, um, um, I got married and then we went and I think started researching it because we were going to think my wife and I were talking about passports at the time. So I decided to look into it more again. So I started, you know, contacting the state of Illinois and then I got no paperwork, nothing. Um, then I contacted the County that we went to nothing, no paperwork Con- uh, contact of the city, nothing. There was nothing there. Contacted the uh, Catholic Charities, which is what they went through to see if they had anything, and there was no paperwork. Oh my gosh! And to get all these like different places and numbers, like that's already a process to get yeah. through to someone. So yeah. for real, right? Wow. And I'm assuming that the paperwork that's missing is it just? I mean, I guess I don't even really know what they're all called, but. It's basically the proof of, of um, citizenship, I'm assuming, is kind of what is missing. Or is yeah, there right. a multitude prove, of things? Prove that the proof of the adoption, because in the paperwork from Columbia, there's no proof of adoption. There is proof of letting me come back to America under the IR4 visa. And that was the end of that. Columbia pretty much in that paperwork gave permission for my American parents to take me out of Columbia. That's, mm. I found that out, too. Um, and I guess, I don't know what happened at that time, but I know I have two birth certificates. I have one Colombian, one American. Eric, I'm assuming you have the same. One yeah. Colombian. Oh, sorry. You yes. just have the, do have you just have Columbian. the one then? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's another thing clearly that was missing. Right. So I thought that was, you know, again, city, I think the city that I lived in, I called them to see if there was a, a you know, birth certificate in my Michael William Liberton's name and there was nothing. Um, so then I went to immigration here in Orlando and I said, what's going on? I'm looking for some information. And the guy that I went, I've been twice, I went twice, went, one in Tampa and then I went into Orlando because I wanted to see if I got the same answer. Um, the one in Tampa didn't say anything, just said, no, that's all we have. You know, they, <laughs> I'll tell you that later. So I went to Orlando and 
uh, the guy told me, he says, no, I don't have anything, you know, paperwork for you, but we have another A number under Michael Liberton, but there's nothing there. So it's like they started to create an alien registration number for Michael Liberton, but then nothing happened. Um, but then, he, then the next words out of his mouth was, I suggest you hire a lawyer and figure out what's going on. That's all he would tell me. So wow. that's when we got our first lawyer. Uh, and she set me up for failure because when we oh, went no. in, yeah, my wife and I, we, we found her because I was looking at immigration lawyers and, you know, her, she, I saw her being interviewed by the local TV station here. So we thought, okay, she can't be that horrible. You know, she's on, they're letting her tell stories on the news. So we went to her office, um, and we, we we hired her because you know she had plaques on the wall voted America's best lawyer or whatever I don't know. So through the process, we fill out the paperwork. So she told me that she supposedly went to immigration and that there is no paperwork for me that I'm illegal. I'm illegally here in America, and that there is no adoption. So I'm was pretty much labeled by her a illegal immigrant and she said the only way you can get citizenship now is through marriage through with your wife okay because i didn't know that anything else so i said that's fine i said we'll go ahead and do that so we we did the paperwork filled everything out paid her her money Uh, a year later i got a letter for an interview and that's where we went to her office to do prep for the interview when we got to her office, because she filled all this paperwork out, and she had me sign it. Well, she had, you know, it was like a pre-sign, and then she filled it out. So we got there, started doing the questions. We, she got to the, did you mark U.S. citizen on any of your paperwork, or did you vote in the elections? And I said, yes, I did. And then she said, no, you didn't. You have to say no to that question, or <laughs> they will... Oh my that'll god! Be, that'll be the end of it, right? Yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that makes sense <laughs> though. But oh my gosh! Yeah. So my wife and I look at each other and we're like, "But I did do all that, and I'm not gonna lie." Um, I said I've gone through my whole life, 40 years at that time, not lying to authorities. I'm not gonna start now. Right, and like yeah, under federal just, law, like yeah, and I just don't get how this wasn't caught earlier on. Like driver's license, all these different things that you probably have gotten. I worked for a city. I had a city job. I had my license. Um, Nothing. Nothing was caught. Even just thinking about applying to jobs and they're like, do you have to be supported for a visa? Like they have been in job interviews, not even which or not interviews, applications. But even so. Yeah. Nobody asked me anything. Uh, You all. At my time, when I was getting jobs, it was fill out the paperwork. Are you a citizen? When they checked it with the uh, checked it against the Social Security card I had, it came up that I was I was a citizen and I could work in the United States. It didn't it didn't contradict oh. it at all. That was another thing I had. I had paperwork on that saying that you know yeah when you filed Social Security card it was everything was you know supposedly there so that's why i thought you know 
I had a social security card. I'm a citizen. And then I found out later, no, it doesn't matter if you have a social security card because immigrants can get social security cards. It does not make them U.S. citizens. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, it was fun. So after about 10 minutes of us going back and forth, I said, okay, my wife and I are going to think about it. So we left the office. We knew we weren't thinking about it. We were not doing it. I had to get out of that office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next day, I emailed the lawyer because I wanted paperwork, proof that I wanted this done. So I emailed her and said, no, my wife and I are not going to do this. I refuse to lie on immigration paperwork, especially because they're going to find out that I lied. Um, and she doesn't email me back. She calls me back. Then she starts saying, you know, oh, well, you know, if you don't do this, you're going to get deported. Um, you are illegally here, you know, and you need to do this or you're going to be sent back to Columbia. And I said, no, nah. I said, I don't think that's right. I said, I'm going to, I need to find a different route for this. And then I, she started bad mouthing my wife. Well, your wife is white. She doesn't know what, she doesn't know what the system is. And she'll turn on you once you are deported. She'll just leave you and be done with you. She tried to pit me against my wife. Oh, my gosh. And did you have to pay this lady? I already paid her. She had uh-huh. money. So I said, no. I, I, said, I said, look, I don't I said, we're done with this conversation. I'm done with you. I got off the phone with her, and I – researched some more lawyers. I found one within that day called him. Uh, and so we went to him uh, a month later. He had my green card. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. Uh, so now, you know, that knowing later on that she could have just, she didn't contact immigration yeah, um, because immigration would have told her all he had to do is apply for a green card, and I would have gone and then applied for citizenship. So she knew what she was doing. She was trying to get me through marriage. Gone to the interview, lied in the interview. I would have never been a, I would have never been able to become a U.S. citizen because once I got my green card, I already lied. Oh my gosh! Right. So I would have never been a citizen because I lied, and, and if I would have went and tried to become a citizen there was a good possibility that knowing the, how long it's been since I knew then I would have been deported at that time. And wow. she would have, she had her money onto the next client. Wow. And oh. deported back to a place you've never visited. Don't know the language probably. I mean, I'm, oh, no, I'm assuming. Know language, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just all of the cultural difference, like, Oh my gosh. I mean, that's the country you're from, but it's not the same. That is just well, wild being deported ever. I mean, yeah, is yeah. But, and a lot and of, in this case, it's such a crazy, like it's, for an adoptee, that is such a shake to the foundation where it's, I don't even know. That's so harsh, you know, where it's just kind of like, you've already, there's already so much trauma around adoption. And then suddenly it's just kind of like for all these reasons that are not your fault or caused by you. And you're this victim in this situation and just helpless in this situation. You've gone through the first part of your life, basically without even realizing that this was an issue. And then the possibility of just being thrown back to this world 
that you were first of all like taken from but also somehow improperly in whatever way if that's on that side or this side but either way it's like being possibly put back to that situation where you don't have any support yeah is just mind-blowing yeah and and, and even though i talked to that family in columbia i don't know them Mm -hmm. i mean oh sure yeah you don't really know them yeah i don't know i i don't know them and i and i don't mean to be mean but i can't trust them to help me because right they don't really have any reason to you know and i mean that's unfortunate but it kind of is just the truth when it comes to trusting people it's like they don't have any real reason to help you so yep yeah yeah and while all of this was going on um what did your adoptive parents do well my dad passed in 2009 so Mm -hmm. uh he didn't obviously there's nothing involved there but my mom she swore up and down she said i don't know this is what happened they told us that everything was done and we just had to take you home and that she you know she was 80 she's 87 now um so she's 83 when this started um but she, you know her memory of this it's hard to, to get cause she was, she was, you know, she's elderly now, but she, right. she stuck to that story. So I have no reason not to believe that she didn't know anything else. Uh, I, I have a reason to believe that the system failed. And when they brought me back to this country back in 78 or yeah, 78, um, that back then nobody cared about immigration Immigration didn't care about immigrants, so why they didn't have to? They didn't say anything to anybody. You know, they didn't yeah. say, you know, well, here's their IRV for visa. You know, when they brought me to Miami through Miami, they me, an officer said, said, okay, this is what you need to do now. You have an IR four visa. You're going to need to finish this adoption in Illinois. Do you know that? They should have asked that, and that that was skipped. They just flew mm-hmm. back right to Illinois and moved on with life. Now, wow. I can't excuse for the name change because there should have been a name change legally that was not done either. So, oh. yeah. When a I whole was, other twist. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> yeah. I'm still so thrown by this being missed for 30 30 or so years? 40, 40 years. 40 years? Yeah. Wow. Ah, that is so, yeah. like, oh, my God. So now, okay, so you went to the second lawyer, got your green card. What happened next? Like, what challenges were you facing at that point? So the challenges of the green card then was now start the process of citizenship. Um, to do that process, mm. we... Um, I went to another lawyer and, uh, he was great. Greg, his name is Greg. He, he did my, he did all my work pro bono, um, minus the flight down here for what he wow. needed to be, um, for my interview. So he came down, uh, did all the stuff, filed all the paperwork, got everything together. Um, I took from filing the paperwork of citizenship to, getting an interview it only it took about five months maybe less than that 
it was about less than that. So under five months it, it took the, for that. So, and then I just had my interview uh, last month. And then from, oh, okay. the, yeah, got my interview, did my interview. And a week later, I got my paperwork from immigration saying that we have reserved you a line for the oath ceremony. And now I got my date for my oath ceremony on April 28th. So, oh my goodness. Good. I am good after April 28th. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, what an experience. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations on. Thank you very much. (laughs) You've made it. Uh, It's it's such a weird, like, circumstance. Yeah, it was a ride. Emotionally, physically, you know, mm-hmm. I end up, I had Bell's palsy during this whole thing, you know, the left side of my face, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I, you know, I was just telling my, my bigger boss, not the one that retired, but the one that runs the company, you know, I said, this, this is going to be April 28th when I walk out here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've not gotten emotional until just now. When I, <clears throat> When I walk out of there with that certificate, my life's going to be back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was weird. (laughs) I was not prepared. That hit me. Yeah. So. I mean, that's normal. And yeah, we cry in here often. Yeah, Yeah. we cry. (laughs) It's weird. I didn't cry when I said that to him. (laughs) So, so, yeah. I mean, it's probably all just kind of becoming this actual reality. Like, that's. Two three weeks away. Yeah, it's, that's uh, that's yep, crazy, weeks and away, that's so and awesome. Yeah, so eight o'clock in the morning, I'm going to be sitting in there for probably an hour and a half. <laughs> so that's only like it takes immigration to do anything, and oh, then yeah, uh, hopefully be out of there by noon. I'll be done. So I'm excited. My family's excited. I wow. bet. And uh, I think uh, we're going to be doing something, throwing a party in May. You absolutely, (laughs) yes, yeah. 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 Oh, that is so great because I bet there was that scare of like I might have to go back to Colombia. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So we're we're excited to be done. So sorry, (laughs) that's okay. Um, You're fine. But yeah, we're excited to be done and, and over and after all that stuff. So I bet, yeah, because. If you were to, like, if nothing worked out, you would have to go back to Columbia. Did you have plans kind of set up for your family then? Would they go with you? Would, I mean, you try not to even think about that. Well, then I did. Yeah, I thought about that a lot mm-hmm. then. Not, um, it was, I don't know. It would be hard because this is what would happen if they sent me back. According to immigration, you can't come back in the country for 10 years. Then you have to reapply for a green card to come back into the country or a visa, which could be denied and denied for God knows how long. It depends on what this country's going through. So, um, no, I don't know. Um, the we had we thought we talked about a couple things, but I don't think it was anything that we could have uh, been able to do. I wanted them to come with me, but I don't know if I'd want my wife and my two-year-old down there with me. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I was at the point where I looked up 
housing, jobs. Uh, I was just preparing myself. That's so scary. Yeah, because of one lawyer. So, you know, and what I did at the time welding, you know, I I would never made the money. I think what I make here was like twenty dollars an hour in Colombia for the same welding is maybe seven. My goodness. If I if I remember correctly when I was looking it up. Yeah. It, it was just it would have never been feasible. Wow. We would have never been able to live and you know, all the families here. You know, my wife's exactly. family's here. She wouldn't want to stay there with me. She'd have to go back and forth. I would have never been able to see anybody. So yeah, yeah, we went through, we went through, we went through that. You know, what were we gonna do? We pre- tried to prepare ourselves, but we were not. Mm. I was gonna fight till the end on this, and luckily, it all worked out. Yes! So, wow! Yeah. What's funny? What's funny is the same day. It was a Monday that I got that news. I got promoted that same day at my job. So wow, wow! <laughs> this this oh my month gosh. has just been uh, just been uphill for me. So or down, you know, whatever it is, it's been high and high. So yeah, well, you deserve <laughs> it. You've gone yeah. through quite a real. hard road and very probably frustrating and scary. So congratulations right. again. That's super Thank exciting. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. So especially um, just yeah. I think being in touch with you this whole time, like knowing now where things are at and oh wow, what a road. Um I do have a question also just about the uh immigration interview. I'm very curious about that in this scenario in comparison to what I would you know imagine is probably very different of those interviews. What can you can you share anything about that interview, oh, I guess? 100%. Yeah. I just shared this with somebody yesterday who's about to get an interview Monday, um, and they asked me about it. It's not as scary as people make it seem to be. You know, mm-hmm. my first lawyer That's made good. it seem like I was going in, and her her instructions exactly, word for word, was do not look at the immigration officer to, you know, in the eye. Answer the questions. She was trying to scare me. Sit still. Yeah, she Don't was. fidget. Don't move your hands. Don't twiddle your thumbs. Don't do anything. Oh my God. So when I got to the interview, this is what I had in the back of my head. So I was freaking out for, and then we got there at nine fifteen. My interview didn't happen until ten ten forty five. So I got back there, and first question they do a civics test first. Because if you don't pass a civics test, there's no reason to move on to the next set of questions. So she asked me, you, they ask you six questions first. If you get all six right, then you're done with that part. Then they ask you, and they had to ask me, which was funny. They had to do an English part. And I've been in this country for 40 years, and I had to do an English part. <laughs> so she asked me basic, she just asked me a basic question, and I had to write it down and say it. So that was it. Uh the most important thing for anybody who wants to go do an interview in my situation or any interview, honestly, is to study because you file a form. Mine was called the N-400 form. You, Whatever form you send in with your information, you have to make sure you study that information and you have that right because they're going to ask you every question on there. And it's not to see trip you up. It's basically to see if anything's changed from the time they approved your interview and the interview. 
Got it. Nothing else. That was it. it you know, and so, you know, it, it was pretty easy. You just, you know, just remember, you know, just remember all your answers. It just shouldn't be that hard. You've been doing this for four years. You should know the answers. So, and then we got to the question of the inter, of the voting and stuff, and she paused, and that's what freaked me out. She paused. So I was like, oh, my God, we're in trouble now. I had my, my mother was behind me, and she's like, I just need an amendment saying that he didn't know that he voted and all that stuff. And he he thought it, he sent it in, but for some reason, immigration, that was another thing. Immigration tends to lose paperwork. So make sure you have backups of everything so you could take it in with you and you give it, hand it right to her. Um, she asked now, she asked me for more paperwork, which she didn't need. I found out later, but you know, it's immigration. Obviously some people have power trips. So I, <laughs> I went and got her voting record for her, took it back. I thought it was going to hold it up. Cause then I got, you know, thing in the, in the email saying it was going to take up to five months for the, them to decide. And then a week later I got the same thing saying, well, we're, we put you in line for our ceremony. So when I got that email, I said, I called my lawyer. I said, did you see this email? Cause he gets the same one. He's like, no. And I said, did you, he looked it up. He goes, is this real? I was like, I don't know. Is it real? <laughs> I said, you tell me if it's real. Cause I don't know if it's real. And, uh, and he's like, it's gotta be real. Cause you know, there wasn't there the day before and then all of a sudden it showed up. And then I got the letter in the mail, the actual mail. Oh so, my goodness. So yeah. So the interview is 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 not as hard as people want to make it seem. Uh I mean different circumstances maybe. But that's because if you're going in there lying, it's gonna be hard on you. Just go right. in, just be just tell the truth and have your paperwork ready. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly if being basic, that's what you need to do. That's great pointers because I know other adoptees are probably needing this information. So good mm-hmm. outline on that. Did you have to talk about adoption then at all during that? Like kind of your story? Not a, not a word. She's really? already, so she had the file. She basically, she's, was on the computer the whole time, just, you know, firing off the questions and just boom, 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 boom. I signed my name, Michael, cause I'm getting my name back. Michael William Liberton. Um, I think there's one, two pieces I signed for that. And then that was it. And then if I had, if I had, uh, let's say I didn't vote, mm-hmm. I would have gotten the old ceremony that day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause they, she goes, well, you know, if you hadn't voted, you would get the old ceremony today. Um, but I had to oh. wait on a decision or something and it, you know, so that's crazy. Right. So going through this process, you're able to officially do the name change and everything as well then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You do it all, everything together. You know, when you filed yeah. the paperwork, it was, what was your name, birth name? What do you want to have it? Some people keep it the same. Some people change it. Sure. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. So, everything yeah. is complete. Oh, that is so great. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad we did this now because, you know, I thought by if we were talking, I thought I'd still not know the answer. So yeah, I know oh. such yeah. good news. 
Mm-hmm. That is. Yeah. So jumping off of that story, um, kind of just your life in general, how do you think adoption has affected your mental health? I mean, you've had a lot of unknowns, a lot of lies in the sense of certain aspects of your life. Kind of go about that. Okay. So if I remember correctly, I was asked this question a long time ago. My answer is still the same as it was then people who want to adopt children need to number one, make sure they know what they're doing and make sure that they have all the paperwork that they need and make sure that they make copies of that paperwork, make sure they follow up with the people that they're involved with. Um, if you're God forbid adopting from out of the country, you got to make sure you have everything in a row because we're not some puppy that you get to bring home and raise you know we're human beings and uh, we should be treated as accordingly so basically adoption has changed me because i'm not 100 percent agreeable with adoption anymore and a lot of people don't agree with me on this um It's a touchy subject. <clears throat> and I tell people, listen, okay, for number one, I'm totally 100% against uh, adopting children from other countries based on what I went through, but based on, you know, if you're, how do I say this nicely, if you're a white family trying to adopt outside your race because you want to feel good about something, that's the wrong reason to do what you're doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if you want to feel good about something, maybe stay within it, stay within with, within your race because you're able to know that race. You're able to keep that race going. You, you can identify with them. Uh, this isn't for every person that adopts outside the country. Don't get me wrong. There's you know, these great adoptee stories I hear where the family lets them, you know, they teach them Spanish and they let them do, you know, get to know their culture. But that's not, that's mm-hmm. about 99% of them don't do that. I'm sorry. You could tell me they do, but they don't. And if you're not willing to go that extra six miles, I don't even say miles, you go that extra six miles for the child you're going to adopt outside the country, then you're not, you don't need to do it. And I say that domestically too, because I see a lot of, interracial adoption that way too and if you're not gonna go you're gonna try and turn your child into what you are in your family (laughs) i'll see how that works because they're gonna want to know themselves because when they look in a mirror get older who are they gonna be accepted by because if they're raised by your race your race might not accept them their race isn't gonna accept them because they were raised by your race yeah so, you know, again, I, I, I stand by this opinion. Some people disagree with me. But, I mean, until you go through it, don't, don't, tell, me, <laughs> don't tell me that, that I'm wrong. So. Well, and I think, especially given everything you've been through, there's absolutely no reason for anyone to argue that. I don't think. I think that would be, especially a non-adoptee, 
that would be incredibly disrespectful disrespectful for someone to argue with those points given what that's what situation that's put you in yeah i mean like i said i can't control what you people do if they want to do it they can do it i just don't agree with with the way it gets done um yeah some people shrug it off, or, you know, you try to give them advice and they just shrug it off. Well, I've already done it and I'll do it my way. Well, that's fine with you. If that's the way you want to treat them. They're going to grow up. Don't, don't forget these babies you get are going to grow up. They're going to resent somebody. So, yeah, if, if you don't want it to be you, then you better do you better do something to help them. And that's another thing, you know, adoption changed me because, you know, I grew up in a family that mental health was not talked about the era of my mom was born in 33. My dad was born in 24. So there you go. Enough said, you know, you know, you had a boo-boo, put some dirt on it and move on. Yeah. So you couldn't even really ever express how you were truly feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you, Eventually, you do that for forty years. You bury, you bury that, and then someday it's gonna, you know, it'll come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you have to find ways to deal with it. And a lot of adoptees aren't lucky like that. A lot, you know, the, you know, the suicide rate among adoptees is ridiculously high. And yeah, I you know, think it's three or four times more likely if you're an adoptee or something like that. Yeah, and yeah, especially I got lucky. The, the paperwork was right. What they did wasn't right, but they didn't. I wasn't raised poor, and I was given everything that I needed. So even with that, I still have that same view, you know. Because but think about the ones that aren't treated right, mm-hmm. that you know aren't mm-hmm. loved. Mm. I, I'm not gonna go that far, but <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's just it's just a matter of perspective apparently you know obviously so absolutely so do you know you had talked briefly in the beginning about the I believe it was the lawyer here when involved in the actual adoption that was later found out was trafficking do you know more about that at all other than, I mean, I looked it up, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. I have to look at my mm. paperwork. But, um, no, I mean, back then, I think, you know, I found out, like, a lot of things, like, with Fana, you know. I believe that the lady that ran Fana back in the day, her father was a government official or something down there, and they were making money off adoptions. And I guess mm. this lawyer was involved in that, so... I mean, there's there's stories of adoptees I've come across. Obviously, you know, because I'm sure you're part of all the Colombian groups. Um, you know, these people were taken. And, you know, it, it sucks because we'll never know. You know, uh, Katie, that was her name. The, lady, the girl that helped me with uh, the birth family thing. In uh, her name's Katie. I, I was just couldn't think of her name until now. But, you know, Katie herself. You know, and I feel so bad for her. She's helping people find families, and she may never find her own family. You know, uh-huh. and it, it, when I started this journey, when I started joining these groups, it was hard for me to be on a lot of them um, because 
I was like, I'll never know who my bird family is. Yeah. You know, and the primal primal wound book, I can't to this day. I still can't read it. I got through five pages and I couldn't do it. Oof. I got anxiety. I, I just couldn't handle it. Yeah, the beginning is a lot. It's we had a lot of those moments where it's like, wow, I I gotta take a step back for sure. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I took a step back. I haven't been back. My wife read it, mm-hmm. but I, I just and I told her I said I'll try again. I might try again after this is all done. But yeah. even though this is all done, I still have my citizenship. What's not done is I'll never know who my family is. Yeah, yeah. Unless I, I try to do a, a more extensive search, but. I mean, what am I going to find? I'm 46 years old now. Ain't going to be around anymore. So, yeah. do I want to do I want to find somebody who who may not be alive? And then, what's that going to do to me? So, and that's the question. That's always the question. I think with that kind of uncertainty is like, especially with what you mentioned about age, is like the later it gets, the more maybe likely those possibilities are which or those circumstances are of someone not being around anymore and considering everything that you've gone through which I just also want to touch back on something you mentioned a little while ago talking about how you were lucky in comparison to other adoptees and the fact that some people are experienced so much worse that's a lot for you to say. I do want to just kind of recognize the fact that you have been through so much and you still say that you're a lucky adoptee. And I think that that's complicated, but you know, it's, you know, I don't want to say that that's like, it's not, I don't know if it's optimism or what, but it's still, I think I just wanted to kind of shout that out because I think that that's a really um, brave feeling to have as an adoptee in your circumstances. Thank you. Um, so that being said, I'll share one more thing that I don't think I've shared publicly. My wife knows. Um, I think maybe a couple other people. I don't know if I shared this with you. Um, yes, I was lucky, but yes, I did go through. Um, molestation being molested being molested um i was young uh so i apparently don't i don't remember it but uh some some things um about five years ago i had a dream and it jogged my memory of some stuff so i started trying to figure out what it was about and i did call my mom about it and she did tell me that when I was doing swimming lessons, there was a boy or kid that was, I guess, trying to molest kids in the locker room. Uh, so I remember being in the locker room and I remember seeing this boy and then uh, my memory just stops. So I have been lucky, yes, but I have not been, you know, like, you know, some adoptees who can remember it because it was their own family members. So mm-hmm. I'm lucky in the way that I don't remember it uh, unless I want to really jog my memory and I think I'm okay. I, back then I wanted to do it really bad, but I'm good now, mm-hmm. you know. So. Well, 
I appreciate you sharing that with us. That's a really mm-hmm. tough thing to deal with. And mm-hmm. um, it's very good to hear that you are a big believer in mental health awareness and, you know, receiving that kind of love and help and all that kind of stuff, because I think that's important for all of us, whether that's um, from a sexual assault standpoint or from adoptee standpoint or from this trauma that I'm sure possible facing deportation has caused as well. There's a lot at play here. Um, And I really hope that after April 28th, I believe you said, Mm -hmm. we can all give a three cheers for you. We'd love to get pictures (laughs) of that day and um, be able to post that on your behalf and celebrate you. Oh yeah, definitely going to share that and I'll send them to you once I uh, get them. I think my wife's trying to do what she can to get pictures, but you know, it sucks because you know nobody can go into the ceremony with me because of COVID. Sure, Sure. I'm hoping by then it's relaxed. But right, I'm hoping by then I still got two weeks. I mean, I was just at the pharmacy today and they took down their big screen. So wow, you know, I'm hoping that it's it's where we can start getting back. You know, it's Florida too, so who knows what happens here. <laughs> so for <true>. sure. <laughs> yeah. But that's awesome that um I kind of wanted to touch this on this a little bit like you have a great support with it seems like with your family and with your wife and her reading that book and just trying to understand you a little bit more is amazing because it doesn't seem like you've had that type of support maybe even your whole life until you've met her and so for her doing that is amazing. So kudos to her because I know that's that's a big process to try to understand your depth of what adoption is, how this has affected you your entire life and how it always will. Yeah. She's been, she's been great. Um, can't talk enough about her. So, um, (laughs) you know, when this, ever since this happened and you know, that lawyer telling me that she would, you know, leave me because of all that crap going on, you know, I, you know, I just, I would love to go back to see her with my wife and say, you know what, look what I'm doing. Look what I got, you know, and you absolutely no help. Um, I am reporting her to the board uh, when I get my citizenship. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, my wife and her family, huge supporters. Yeah, I couldn't ask for better support right now family with that and you even my mom even though there's mistakes made in the past she's been there supporting and you know making sure everything's done and she's actually said she's proud of me which is big for me because it wasn't something that was shared when I grew up mm. so she's you know I I've become an elder in my church I got promoted I'm getting the citizenship so she is recognizing all this and you know saying that those words are pretty big yeah that means so much more than just i am proud of you you know it's it's a whole different depth of that Mm -hmm. and you should be very proud of yourself because that was a huge accomplishment all of those things everything you've gone through in your entire life being an adoptee being here and just you know fighting it's yeah. it's really good so you thank should be you. proud thank you yeah very much. absolutely thank you i guess that kind of wraps it up um you know we usually end it on what advice would you give other adoptees um if you have any other last little tidbits of that or yeah. wish people realized about adoption i know you touched on this yeah. a little bit but 
Yeah. Other than that, that's kind of our last little question here. Um, other, what I would tell other adoptees, um, just hang in there. There's always hope at the end of the road if you're struggling with something. Uh, if you're in my situation, please come out, re- contact me. Um, you guys can contact me and then you can give my information, but don't be scared. You know, the people are making this a big, scary world and it's really not unless you're, you know, unless you've done something really bad, then yes, be scared because they don't take lightly on that, unfortunately. (laughs) But if you haven't, if you haven't done anything wrong and you've, you've done what you can, you know, just keep going. Absolutely. I think that was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being vulnerable, opening up on your story and sharing things you've never shared before. I mean, truly, that is a hard thing to do. And we appreciate you just giving it all out there today for us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Do you have any last minute questions for us before we let you go? No, I I love your (laughs) podcast. I can oh, say that. Thank you. Although, thank you. unfortunately, I did skip the Primal Wound podcast. That's I fair. Apologize. <laughs> that is fair. Yeah. That's well, okay. Well, now we're done, too. So we'll yeah. move on to some other content. But I think that this, especially with the timing of where this is finally coming to a close, is really significant for you, for us, for adoptees everywhere, anyone else going through this. So we really, mm-hmm. really appreciate your time. Be sure to send us celebratory photos yeah. on the 28th. And we're so excited to see that. So I do yeah. have one more thing to say. So yeah. since this is the end, honestly, and I'm probably done with podcasts, I, I can't think of a better way to finish podcasts than to be with Colombians. Yay! Woo! Yes. Woo! <laughs> wow. What a great episode. I didn't expect all of that to kind of tie back in together. Oh, I know. Like we've said, we've talked to Mike and have been connected with him for a long time. He's a huge listener and supporter of our podcast. So we kind of yeah. had had um, a little bit of insight on the things he's been going through. But to hear it all come together is amazing. I'm so happy for him. I could not imagine being in his I shoes. Know, I know. It was a, a crazy, crazy episode where it was just, like you said, coming all together he is at a really interesting part. I don't even want to say interesting. That's so Midwestern of me. Um, He's in a really difficult part of his adoption journey, even though the goodness has come from it. You can tell, you can hear it in his voice that he holds resentment towards this situation. And with him, of course, saying so strongly that he is so anti-adoption. And I think there is an mm-hmm. element of most people, well, I don't, I don't want to generalize people who are so like sunshiny about their adoption do eventually through the coming out of the fog, have more of those realizations of resentment and things like that. So personally, I kind of feel like that's, that, that that's inevitable for a lot of adoptees on that side of the spectrum. I don't think any adoptees that are on the um, more negative, I don't even want to say negative, on the other side of it, feeling a tumultuous part of about their adoption for so long ever start to see 
any bright side because there's a very big reason if they would have felt that way from the beginning. But I'm going on a tangent. Um, <laughs> but we love those. We do love a tangent. Um, but yeah, I just like, I think that that's something that adoptees need to be prepared for, that there will be some of that at some point, especially with coming out of the fog. And like we said to him, it was just, you know, Mike, you have so many reasons to feel this way. It's so valid. It's not like, it's insane how valid that is because it's been such a crazy journey for him. I cannot imagine having my life disrupted like that. No, not at all. Like, and it wasn't even like when you were like a teenager, it's you're, you've lived your life for so long. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It was hard even to just hear all the things he had to go through because you already struggle with all these little things as just an adoptee and to have that on top of it, which a lot of people have these different scenarios of trauma on added on top of the adoption trauma already. And yeah, it's just hard to wrap your mind around it. But again, he seems to be doing as well as he can throughout this whole situation. Exactly. Oh, well, uh, it's been great coming back to an interview. I hope everybody learned something from this and was able to see another side of adoption. That's always our goal. Um, as we continue on with season three, we'll kind of see where the rest of this brings us. We do want to hopefully learn more from other adoptees and kind of the legal side of this and talk more about that and be able to gather those resources for those of us who may need it as adoptees. Um, So yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season and maybe getting more of these, you know, unique stories. Me too. I love when we connect to other people and I love learning new perspectives because we have just ours and out of everyone who's adopted, that's not very much. There's so many many complex stories and situations. So Thank you again for everyone who's been vulnerable reaching out um, on our podcast so far. You know where to find us at Colombian Influence on all social media platforms, all podcast platforms on YouTube. I mean, we're everywhere. So make sure to follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, review, and we will see you on our next one. Until next time. Later. Bye. 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 Bye.